0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Full Cup, the podcast where the father and daughter duo, me and my dad, talk about life and pretty fun. We have a good time, we're glad you're here. If it's your first time listening, please go back, listen in order, start with episode one as each episode builds on the previous information that you learned in the episode before. Today we are talking about self-esteem. It's a good one, shorty but a goody. Thanks for being here, enjoy. Okay, welcome to the full cap, everyone. To start off today, I had a discussion with a friend who had just listened to the marriage podcast. She was saying her marriage is fine, but she was wanting to relate this to her children who are little that drive her crazy all day. Yeah. And she's saying, I'm going to ignore your behavior.
1: Yeah, I'm not going going to feed this nasty behavior that you kids are exhibiting. I'm not going to respond to it. Now, children love their parents. Even though they might say, I hate you, mom and dad, they really do value the attention and they get that love and control are the same thing. So if they can irritate their mother, oh, I matter. I can still irritate my mother. This is not a parent having control over a child. This is a parent having control over herself. Am I going to let my six-year-old control what I think and feel? There's not a day that goes by that I don't have a patient come in and they put their 10-year-old in the chair or they put a a 15-year-old or the 70-year-old puts the 50-year-old son in the chair. But the example I give is recently a woman came in and said, I have a seven-year-old child who's driving me crazy. And I said, well, who's in charge, the seven-year-old or you? And she said, well, she just drives me crazy, irritates me. She, she knows she can get to me. So I had her put her seven-year-old child in the chair and say, I'm not going to let your behavior, your pathological behavior, your pathological DT, your nastiness irritate me, make me upset anymore. Then I had her move over and become the seven-year-old daughter. And the seven-year-old daughter being played by mom says, what are you talking about, mom? I can make you crazy. <laughs> and she started crying and moved back to the church. She can make me crazy. Yeah. And I said, because you, when you love your child, you've given them all this power. I want you to love your children profoundly, but you don't give them power over what you think and what you feel. Yeah. You've got to maintain being in charge of what you think and what you feel. And then you can say, your stuff isn't going to affect me. Now, one example that I had some weeks or some months ago, we did the same thing. So the, the mother was all prepared. I'm going to go home. Her son would climb up on the counter and his Levi's that had rivets in him would cut into the into the countertop. Mm-hmm. And she got so upset with him that she said, I can't do this anymore. She would yell and he'd get up and he'd do it and just laugh at her like, ha 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 ha, mom, I can irritate you. So after our little gestalt session, she went home. He did it. She looked at him and said, I don't like it. Why not you do that? and walked right past him, ignoring him. The kid went, what? Yeah. He grabbed hold of his mother's leg to hold her. Mom, you can't go. She walked right past him into the bathroom and locked the door. He's on the outside of the door. Mom, 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 because he's losing his power. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Not five minutes went by and she hears this noise And the kid has taken a gallon of milk out of the fridge, (laughs) taken the lid off, cranking it it up, and poured it all over the floor. The rat is going (laughs) crazy on the lever. Now I probably would have killed the kid, (laughs) but she walked out and walked right through the milk, as if he didn't exist. Through he didn't exist, and not. 30 seconds went by, she walked out in the garage, she came back in and he's in the middle of the milk on the floor sobbing, my mom doesn't love me anymore. Oh no, oh no, oh no. She no longer responded to his pathological behavior. It didn't work for him anymore. And what she needs to do then is anytime he shows appropriate behavior, he gets hugs and kisses and even a little power, but not ultimate power. But when he shows dysfunctional behavior, He doesn't get a raised eyebrow. He doesn't get angered. He doesn't get anything from mom. He gets Uh apathy. Apathy, uh, I call it active apathy. And I tell people, put a skull and crossbones on it because it can be very, very dangerous when raising children. You've got to be very skilled when using, you don't matter to me anymore. I even encourage people to say, I still love you, but your behavior is going to get nothing from me. Yes. A blank stare. Apathy, and watch how quickly the children extinguish their behavior when it doesn't affect mom or dad anymore.
0: Yeah, that's hard to that's hard to do as a parent. Yes, I mean, I'm just thinking of my little two year old and going, "No, he can do it." I'll just, I'll just. <laughs> I mean, you learn about that in psychology, right? Just in one hundred and one basic, basic behavior: positive so. reinforcement, negative reinforcement, yeah. um, positive stimulus. Stimuli, whatever, you know, it's the
1: same game. Uh, When your brother was a sophomore in high school, your mother used to get really, really angry at him. And one day she really yelled some things as he's going up the stairs and all the windows were open and she swore at him. And all of his friends are out on the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) And they'd never heard (laughs) Lincoln's mother ever talk like that. (laughs) And she came in crying. I can't believe it. And to this day, Lincoln's in his 40s now. The friends still tease her about what she said and what she did. Now, at that time, she said, I can't do this. He's driving me crazy. So when you kids would go to sleep, we would sit at the kitchen table. I won't do therapy with my family, but I'll show them how to do some gestalt work because gestalt work is dealing within your own unconscious. And she would put him in the chair at the kitchen table and say, Lincoln, I love you but I'm not going to let you mess with me. Then she'd move over and become Lincoln. And I'd say, Lincoln, did you hear it? your mom said? Oh, yeah. Can you still mess with? Oh, yeah, I can make her crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and she would do that, you know, till 10 o'clock at night and finally, no, I'm going to be in charge. And she would do it. You're not going to affect me. Move over. And then she's playing the part of Lincoln. That's the unconscious would say, I believe you, Mom. I can't get to you anymore. And she would sit there and take a sigh of relief like... I'm in charge now. And she felt good. And that would last a couple of months.
0: Oh, yeah. And then
1: he'd do something else and reach out. He'd ferret an old anchor from her adolescence Uh or something that I'd missed that could could still mess with her. And he'd find that one. And we'd do it by the time he was through his sophomore year. Mom was in charge. She did not let her 15-year-old son control, make him crazy. I think it's a struggle that all of us go through. I I just happened to learn it when I was working at Job Corps and learning with these adolescent kids that, you know, they get nothing for pathological behavior Mm -hmm. and positive feedback and even some power when they demonstrate appropriate behavior. Mm
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense.
1: Hopefully that answers her question. Yes. And let me say, we really do appreciate that the questions come in like this. Yeah. I'll be happy to answer them the the first of every session.
0: Awesome. Last week we talked about the cup, full cup, how to get to have a full cup life.
1: The Wire. Uh, The Wire. Going back to The Wire last week, earlier this morning, I worked with a patient. She's been extremely depressed and had self-esteem issues for over 40 years, miserably. She's in her 50s. Since a young child, one of the questions I ask her, this is right off the bat, Did your mother love herself? Oh, no. No, I don't think she did. Did your dad love himself? Oh, no. They felt very poorly about themselves. And how have you felt about yourself since you were 10 years of age? Horrible. I didn't think I had any value. Not unlike your mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And she went, oh. And I said, one of the most wonderful things that happens is when you start loving yourself and the wire's real, you demonstrate even to your parents who are in their 70s how to love themselves. Mm -hmm. Libby, when your mom and dad are happy and doing well, how do you feel? Good. When your children are happy and doing well, how do you feel? Good. Well, I want you to know as your father, when you're doing happy and well, I really feel happy. Mm -hmm. When you're not, I'm sad. I'm upset. Mm -hmm. The wire is very real. Love yourself. Be free. Love your husband and not let his stuff bother you. That teaches your children an incredible legacy. I can love people and not be irritated by the silly, crazy things that they do.
0: Yeah. I like that. Okay. You touched on that a little bit last time. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about self-esteem and what about it? How we get it? (laughs) Well,
1: uh, self-esteem, there's a number of things that that we can talk about when it comes to self-esteem. The first thing I want to talk about though is my my personal belief that self-esteem is the very foundation of all psychology. Okay. Now, Many of you, I, I think you, as you're growing up here, their house is being built. You saw the foundations of house being built. They dig a hole. Down in the bottom of the hole, they put in these footings. And then they put concrete in these footings. And inside the concrete, they before they lay the concrete, they put these steel bars in it.
0: The rebar. The rebar, mm-hmm.
1: okay. Then they put up these forms and they put concrete and rebar inside the forms. After a couple of days, they take it out and here's these huge cement foundations. Mm -hmm. And then they can build a house on top of it. Remember doing A pretty
0: strong process. Yeah. Yes.
1: And the rebar holds it together. If you have an earthquake, it might crack the foundation, but it doesn't go anywhere. Right. So then you build a big, beautiful home on it. What happens if the house burns down?
0: The foundation
1: stands. It does. Now, a few years ago here in Bountiful, back in the 80s, we had some major flooding. Knocked the houses, the the frames right off the foundations. Mm -hmm. All the neighbors got together and went and dug all the sand out of the foundations and they rebuilt the homes on the same foundation. Mm -hmm. The foundation wasn't destroyed. So when your house burns down in your life, if you go through a divorce, if a child dies If you lose your job, if you've got a good, strong foundation, you can rebuild Mm -hmm. and you'll be okay. So for me, the basic foundation of all psychology is having very positive self-esteem. And that's what we're going to be talking about today and next week. How do we build the foundation? Well, when we're young, we look to our parents. They dig the hole. They put the footings in. Sometimes they forget to put rebar in it sometimes they didn't put enough limestone in the cement. And so we grow up and as we get older and we try to build our lives on this foundation, we find holes washing through the concrete because there wasn't enough limestone to hold the gravel together. Or there were places where they left out the rebar or they threw in a couple of old beer cans and they've rusted out so there's gaping holes in the concrete. Mm -hmm. The amazing thing, each of us can learn to repair the concrete, the foundation, patch the holes, put, instead of rebar, tempered steel. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Rebar, you bend it three or four times, it breaks. Tempered steel, you bend it, you bend it, you bend it, it doesn't break, it'll hold the finest edge. Tempered steel has been heated and cooled and heated and cooled. And as you grow older, you begin to realize, I can put this tempered steel in my foundation. Mm But as you build that foundation, you get older and you start feeling good about what you're doing, what you've accomplished. You build your house, your your being, your identity, and it's built upon that good, strong foundation. But as I said, some of us didn't have licensed contractors pouring the foundations. Well, we get to be our teenage years, and now we say, well... My mom and dad helped build the foundation, but I'm now going to look to my friends to build the foundation. And if friends say, well, you're you're no good, we don't like you, we're not going to play with you, we're going to abandon you, that becomes very difficult. A lot of people I see, they had pretty strong foundations from their parents, but then when they entered the social junior high, high school period, trauma and the foundation wasn't built very good because they were still looking to other people to build their foundation. Mm -hmm. There comes a point in our life when we realize we've got to build our own foundation and build the house on top of that. We have to create our own self-esteem. We do that in a number of ways. Self-esteem basically comes from accomplishment. There's internal accomplishment and external accomplishment. Go build a building, put your name on it, make a million dollars, you'll feel pretty good. But the greatest accomplishments are internal. When I finally said, I'm not going to my, let my mother's pathological DTs make me crazy anymore. And then I went and visited her and I didn't let him mess with me. And I went, wow, I can do this. And I can even love her now. That's an internal accomplishment. A lot of people think, well, we got to get a PhD or we've got to, you know, make a million dollars, we've got to build a you know a million dollar home or whatever to get a sense of accomplishment. I will tell you our greatest accomplishment comes inside. And we can teach our children to do that early on when they do something that they accomplish by making the decision, holding their course, not getting disrupted, and you praise them and you say, way to go. Your integrity was wonderful on that. The way you handled that friend was beautiful. You didn't let that friend get you off course. I'm so proud of you. And then we grew up thinking, wow, maybe I can do this and create my own foundation. I want to tell you a couple of stories today about self-esteem. A number of years ago, a set of parents called me from Primary Children's Hospital, and they said, our daughter is in the psychiatric unit here. She's attempted to take her life and they won't release her until we have an appointment with a therapist. Will you see her? And I said, absolutely. I I used to know a lot of the people at primary, so they sent a lot of referrals my way. So they came out to see me. This is a girl who really hated herself. She hated life. She tried to take her life in the ninth grade. She'd also checked out of school and was refusing to go back to school. The parents said, will you please help her? So I started psychotherapy with her. I was trying to do cognitive behavioral therapy, explaining to her that she can cognitively work out of this depression and feel better about herself. Her cup was extremely empty. And because of the empty cup, she didn't feel that she had any value. A lot of times, boys and girls, in an attempt to fill their cup, will give up some of their moral boundaries. Mm -hmm. She had done that. The boys didn't seem to like her. She was very tall and skinny. And in junior high, if you're in the ninth grade and you're five foot 11 and all the boys are four foot 11, she felt embarrassed. She would walk with slumped shoulders. But if the boys came around, she would be happy to be promiscuous with them. And then she said, I'm no good. I'm nothing but a slut. Those were her words at Mm -hmm. 15 years of age. This happens to a lot of people. I'm going to set aside my moral code because I need somebody to pour into my cup. She, like so many people, was trying to fill her cup the red way, Uh not the white way. So we worked through it, I thought, and I saw her all that summer and she decided to go back to high school. She was there for two weeks and she attempted to take her life again. This time she had some major kidney failure uh, some major problems and she almost died. She was hospitalized for 30 days. I felt horrible. I felt I wasn't helping her, even though I recognized that I've never changed anybody. People have to change themselves. I just get to help. But as a therapist, when you have someone who attempts to take their life or takes their life, which happens in this work, it's still very difficult, even though you recognize it's theirs. The parents called me back and said, We would like you to continue seeing her. I said, I'm not helping her. They said, please. I said, all right, bring her out. So they kept bringing her in to see me. But instead of just talking to her, I started talking to her about some basic psychological theory. I talked to her about Cooley's looking glass self from the 1800s. Do you remember that from Mm -hmm. your psychology class? Mm -hmm. Basically, this man by the name of Dr. Cooley said that our society is a looking glass Well, that's an 1860. What's a looking glass today, Libby? A mirror. Yeah. So when we stand up to the mirror, our society, and our society says to us, you're no good. How do we feel?
0: That's what we see. We're no good.
1: We're no good. And we start to believe it. If her dad said you're no good, if her mom said you're no good, that's what she felt. So I explained to her, you've been letting society define you. You've letting other people build your foundation. She said, yeah, I probably have. I said, well, how do you present yourself to the mirror? And I had her stand up. She stood up and pretended my window in my office was a mirror. And she stood slumped, shouldered, head down, cocked over, angry and sad at the same time, and said, I'm no good. I'm nothing but a slut. And I said, well, if it's a mirror... When we're young, it's what the mirror tells us, but there comes a point in our life when it's how we stand up to the mirror of society. And how are you presenting yourself to society? Full cupped, half cupped, or empty cupped? And she said, I guess empty cupped. I said, okay, I want you to pretend for a moment that you're full cupped. She says, I don't know how to do that. I've never been full cupped. I told her then about Helen Singer Kaplan at Columbia University. Helen Singer Kaplan did some research where she wanted to find out what made men attracted to women and what made women attracted to men. Everyone thinks it's, oh, she's got a perfect figure. She's got a beautiful face. Uh, He's got a V chest, a python arms, and a cleft in his chin. That's not it. Aesthetic beauty will certainly turn heads. But attractiveness, she said, has more to do with what we unconsciously exude. What's the feeling you're sending out? And she said, the most attractive people are those people who, when they stand up to society, say, I know that I'm special and I deserve to be loved. So I said this to her, stand up and say, I know I'm special and I deserve to be loved. She said, I don't deserve to be loved. I'm not special. I said, you've never felt special. She said, no. Well, I told her, Helen Singer Kaplan's research also said we oftentimes get this from our opposite sex parent. In other words, if I grow up in my society and my mother says, you're the apple of my eye, son, then I'm going to present myself to the mirror. I don't care what you and you say. I know I'm special because I'm the apple of my mama's eye.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm special because my mama says I'm special. (laughs) But if your mom says, I hate your guts, this family would be better off without you. That's kind of what I went through. That was very painful. Mm -hmm. And so believing that, hearing that, I didn't feel real confident. She had gone through some of the same things. She was a member of a particular religious organization that her father hated. (laughs) She would go to church occasionally with her friends. (laughs) And uh, and her mother was a a member too of the same particular religious organization, but they never went to church. And uh, she felt that her dad hated her and Dad didn't feel good about mom and dad hated himself. So if dad hates himself, mom hates herself, mom is disgusted with dad, dad's disgusted with mom. How do you think she's feeling about herself with the Creep. wire?
0: She's, yeah, got a pretty rough go yeah, right there. Pretty
1: empty cupped. So I said, come on, you can do it. She said, No, I can't. I said, okay, have you have you ever seen an actress that was full cupped, that could stand up to society and say, I don't care what you say, I know I'm special. And I deserve to be loved. And she said, Daisy on the Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> this was a long time ago. This is a guy you probably remember driving around in orange yes. cars and jump. Okay, Daisy, Daisy Dukes. Daisy yeah. Dukes, yeah. Barbara Bach was her name, redheaded, freckled, beautiful girl. And then I say, okay, you pretend to be her, and I go outside and stand in the office. It's embarrassing. I don't want you in here. I said, okay. So I'd come back in two minutes. Did you do, oh, It's stupid. This isn't going to help anything. I said, maybe not. Were you able to do it? well, yeah, just for a second, but I'm just pretending. I'm just faking. I'm not really Barbara Bach, but I pretended that I'm special and I deserve to be left. Okay, that's all I want you to do. Just try it. The next couple of weeks, I would say to her, by the way, she finally agreed to go back to school at a different high school now. It was after Christmas break. She'd been out since September. September. She went to this new school and she pretended to be Barbara Bach. She didn't do it for three weeks because I kept asking her. And then one day I'm sitting in my office. I see her running down the stairs into my office and burst in. I was talking to a client and she says, okay, okay, I'll be out. And I came out. She came and said, I don't believe this. I said, what happened? Well, I did it. You did what? And we called it pretending to be blue. I know I'm special and I deserve to be loved. I did it. I sat in the front of the class and everybody that came in, I even did the accent. The accent, yeah, Barbara Bach says, or uh, Daisy says, hi, y'all. So they come and say, hi, y'all, how y'all doing? And I just pretend I'm special and they love me and I'm cute and all that kind of, I don't care what anybody says. And after class, this boy walks up to me and says, hey, I've never met you before. She says, I've been going here for two weeks. Oh, so can I walk you to your next class? Okay, I guess. He's out there, walks her to the class, that class ends, he's out there again. And he says, I got my dad's car, can I give you a ride home? And she says, I've got to check with my mother. Uh, You know, she called her mother. Mother said, well, do you know the kid? Well, yeah, he's in the class. he seemed like a good kid? Yeah, it's not just him and I. He's coming with a bunch of friends. What does she do? She goes out afterwards to where the car is, where he's going to pick her up out in front of the school. It's his dad's BMW convertible. She says, I can't believe this. So she gets a car. They take him home. Then she starts hanging out with these people. Now... She was pretending to be full cup. Well, we know that when we pretend that we're special, we hook up with people who pretend that they're special. If I'm half cupped, I hook up with half cup people. If I'm empty cupped, I hook up with empty cup people. She's now pretending to be full cupped. And she starts hanging out with all these kids who are also cool and popular and everything. Mm -hmm. And everything's going great. And she's thinking, this is wonderful. I have friends. They like me. I like them. I'm practicing blue. I'm feeling blue every time I go to school. I'm just putting it on. This is wonderful. Okay, I'm going to keep doing it. I think it works. All right. Then one day she runs, she's at the yogurt shop down here with her new friends. And she runs into some of her old empty cup friends from the other high school and junior high. And she goes, hi, acting all blue. I know I'm special. And what did they do? Who do you think you are? Mm. And they attacked her verbally. Two days later, she's at school. They call her down to the office. Two of the girls from the old high school have come to the high school to beat her up. Who do you think you are, hanging out with those people? You're nothing more than we are. You're nothing but a da 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 da. She took a nosedive. Oh no! And she came in and said, "Those people that I hang out with are really full cupped. I'm just faking it. Oh, I can never be be, be with these people. They'll never like me because I'm just faking it." And I looked at her, I started laughing, and she said, "What are you laughing about?" I said. What teenager is really full cup? Most adults are faking it, for heaven's sakes. It's okay to start with faking it, but be careful what you're faking. I tell people a lot in AA, they say, if you don't think you'll make it, fake it, and mm-hmm. you'll make it. But you want to be careful what you fake. I remember as a boy, to protect myself, I faked being a tough guy. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with me. I'm tough. By the time I got into high school, it was, don't mess with that brittle kid. He's crazy, man. He's, he's a mean SOB. He'll rather fight than look at you. No, I wasn't a fighter. I was just angry and put on this look of uh, growling. I was faking being tough out of the need to protect myself. Mm -hmm. She faked being full cupped. Mm -hmm. She knew she was special. She deserved to be loved. Well, the end of school was coming. It was April and her dad and mom and family moved to Southern California. She stayed up here with her grandma, falling apart. What am I going to do? I'm going to a new school. I just have all these friends. It's. Crazy. I said, you're going to practice feeling blue. She said, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can do that. So she moved down there. And in November, her mother called me and said, I just thought you might want to know. Yeah, what's up? Well, we just started a new high school in this new area that's just grown like crazy down close to San Diego. There's 5,000 kids in the student body. There's, it's only been open about five years. And the first time ever a junior has been elected as the homecoming queen, it's my daughter.
0: Oh, true story. that makes me cry. Oh, that she is so true. She came sweet. from two
1: suicide attempts and then realized that she can create this, she can fill her cup, she can feel good about herself. She also did this on her own. She found out who the religious leader was from one of her friends in the neighborhood, went and talked to him, and he told her all about this principle called repentance. That mm-hmm. all, if she doesn't do that anymore, that God will wash all that off, and she doesn't have to carry any of that with her. When, that day when she came in and told me about that, she said, I feel as pure as the drifted snow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the confidence came back. She was a beautiful princess. By the way, she has given me permission to tell the story Uh, because to me, it was a wonderful story. We're going to talk more about how you can create that sense of value yourself. But it has to do with you believing in yourself. I encourage people to have a supreme being in your life who loves you no matter what. But I want to caution this. We learned years ago from a study on faith-based therapies that our perception of our supreme being oftentimes comes from the lens handed us by our earliest authoritative figures. Uh So if my father was always angry at me, well, then I perceive God as being always angry at me. Uh If my father was always disappointed in me or my mother was always screaming at me, well, God is always disappointed and screaming at me. If my mom or dad say, I'll be at your ball game, and then they don't show up. Well, as I start looking at my authoritative figures that grow into adulthood, Well, God may be at your game, but he's not going to be at my game. So I tell people, uh, please develop a belief system that's supreme being. But make sure your supreme being loves you no matter what. Even in your duality, the struggle between your body and spirit. You're all going to make mistakes. Make sure your God loves you, adores you, and cherishes you. Put greater belief in his lens towards you than anybody else's. Helen Singer Kaplan said, I remember in the lecture that I heard her in Phoenix, and she talked about, she had all of the men go back to high school and think of the most beautiful girl that everybody in the school thought was beautiful. And there were probably 2,000 people in this workshop. And then she said to the girls, the women, think of the men that were so handsome that all the girls thought he's the, the greatest guy in the world, and now look at them aesthetically. I pictured this girl that everyone in the whole school thought she was the most beautiful girl in the world. Everybody wanted to date her. And I burst out laughing. She is beautiful. Except aesthetically, she looks like a horse. She's got a big little (laughs) head. Her (laughs) nose spreads clear across her head. One eye is a little cockeyed. She
0: can eat an apple (laughs) through a picket fence. (laughs) Or a chain link fence. But but
1: let me just tell you, her father drove her and her sister to school in a limousine and they would get out of the limousine with diamond rings and and ruby earrings and they just know i don't care what you people say i know i'm special because my daddy says i'm special and they got that confidence knowing that their daddy says you're the most wonderful thing in the world but aesthetically I i i sat there going this is crazy. Because yeah. that's what she said. She said, when you look at them later, aesthetically, they may not have been the beautiful one you liked and, or you thought in high school or even in college. But they carried themselves with a sense of, I know that I'm special. I know that I'm beautiful. I know that I deserve to be loved. I know I have the capacity to give love. I have the capacity to receive love because they've experienced it. Okay. So self-esteem, this girl didn't have any of that. She had to invent Barbara Bach. Daisy on Dukes of Hazard to just start pretending mm-hmm. it. But after she well, pretended it, it and it started sometimes. happening, all of a sudden the steam started to grow. Now, next week, we're going to talk more about self-esteem in a little bit of a different pattern. Today, we've talked about the foundation. We've talked about Helen Sarah Kaplan. We've talked about Cooley's Looking Glass Self. And next week, we're going to talk about some other things to help build and, and cause this self-esteem to skyrocket. And then when you present yourself to the mirror, you're not presenting slump-shouldered, I'm no good, I'm ugly. But mm-hmm. you present, I know that I'm special.
0: Yeah. I think that's the Cooley's looking glass is really cool. I mean, clearly it worked. She moved to another state and presented herself. You know, probably she wasn't faking it anymore until she made it. She probably really believed it. She and everyone blue. perceived it
1: And, and it worked. the
0: way she showed it. Yeah, She
1: was feeling blue. Yeah. So that's what we represent it with a color. And, and years later, she sent me a little... I
0: feel like we should say yellow.
1: <laughs> I, we can. But she sent me a picture in a blue frame of a poem written on a blue piece of paper. Oh, and I remember I, that you, poem. I think I have office. it memorized. Yeah, and it's probably... And she and wrote it. And it's about... in my office, I, a friend. It's,
0: yes, yeah. and it's about being a friend. It, so, I remember reading that when I was in like junior high yeah. thinking. That's cool. Yeah, so... Very cool. Okay. Well, we'll delve, delve, is that a word? Dive, delve Delve into more self-esteem next week, but that is a very cool story. And it makes me want to present myself wherever I go in the grocery store or wherever, because I want to be approachable. I want people to smile at me. You know, I think we get in this zoned in world of just like, we're in a hurry and we got to do this and that, but how great to just be a presence. And if you believe you are, you can be. And
1: why? Because of mirror neurons. We're going to talk about how the mirror neurons, when you walk into the grocery store and the, the, the checkout girl is scowling, you go, uh, she's scowling. What do you do? You furrow your brow. What are you scowling about? Uh, mm-hmm. We mirror. But you walk in going, hi, how are you doing? And you, she might come out of it and mm-hmm. go, oh, how are you? Because of mirror neurons, we're going to talk about marine matching dancing and leading, how you can pick up some guy or some girl for all you single people in a concert of 20,000 people by dancing with them neurologically. That's a few weeks away. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you very
0: much. uh, And
1: and please, bring on
0: the questions. If you have a question and you don't know my personal cell phone number, (laughs) um, if you follow us on the full cup podcast on instagram you could dm me there you don't you don't know what any of this means um (laughs) or on facebook uh we have a facebook page the full cup podcast you could message me there or on podbean you can post questions or comments there all right thanks for listening to the full cup cheers see y'all next week bye-bye Hey everyone, it's Libby. I just wanted to hop on here real quick and say if you have been listening to the Full Cup podcast and you are enjoying it, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are so thankful for your support and for the feedback we have received. And also feel free to share with your friends, family, or loved ones. Anyone you might think might benefit from some of the information shared here. We appreciate it. Bye-bye.